0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Shall I start my stopwatch or not? <laughs> We're going to go for start stopwatch. Okay. Doesn't mean so. I need to, you know, <laughs> take any notice of it. So, Colossians to three. You know, I was listening to a, an interesting podcast conversation this week with one of my favorite speakers. Got to tidy up. Sorry. It's the OCD in me there. <laughs> Uh, Andy Stanley, who's one of my favorite speakers, kind of leadership, really great communicator. And uh, he was talking in this podcast about how we communicate in this day and age what it means to be Christian. He said, You know, we've got becoming Christian covered. I mean, you, you just explain the gospel and then they pray the sinner's prayer, we kind of baptize them, and then we just get on with it, right? But Andy Stanley said this, that there isn't actually much in the Bible about becoming a Christian, but an awful lot about being Christian. And then he said, because actually, it's those who live out their faith that change the world. And he said this, he said, as As Christians, we're called believers. And that's important. What we believe is important. But he said, we're also called disciples, life learners. And we're also called followers. And I love the statement. He says, "We, we get to choose, we get to choose whether or not we follow Jesus. But we do not get to choose what following Jesus looks like, sounds like, acts like, and maybe most importantly, reacts like. And actually, that is what Colossians chapter 3 is all about. What does it mean to be a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus? He said this He said, It's not enough to be an admirer, and to be an admirer of Jesus. The world's full of people who admire Jesus, think he was a great guy, teaching was wonderful, blah, blah, blah. It's not enough to be an admirer. You must become a disciple. You must become a follower. Then he said this, it's not just believing in Jesus that will make your life better, make your life happier, make your life more effective. Actually, it's the act of following him that's going to produce all that fruit. This idea of learning what Jesus said and then putting it into practice. Ultimately, only doing what he taught will change your life. And I just thought that was a really suitable introduction into Colossians chapter 3, the teaching we've been working through. I'm going to pick it up today in verse 12 and read through till verse 17, though sadly we won't get to cover all of this today. So Colossians 3, verse 12, Therefore... As God's chosen people, give them a nudge next to you, that's you. Holy, give them a nudge, yes, that's you still. Dearly loved, especially you. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And as I said last week, there's a, there's a list of seven imperatives that, that jumped out of that passage. For me, if we can have those on the screen, that would be awesome. Uh, we dealt kind of with the first four last week really which is set your heart and mind on things above anyone remember that seven whole days ago put, put to death therefore uh, rid yourselves and we talked about the carnality that we need to, to take off and then v- the, number four says put on the new self number five is clothe yourselves and then we get into verses 15, 16, 17 let the peace of Christ rule in your heart let the word of Christ dwell in you richly said, so essentially, we dealt with the first four last week. Today is going to be number five, and then next week will be number six and seven. So we zoom in here on verse 12, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Anyone else kind of get a warm, tingly feeling when they're reading that verse? It's a very powerful, but, but, but simple and sweet message today. And it's this, that everything changes if you clothe yourselves in these, these attractive and powerful characteristics or, or behaviors. We might call them spiritual fruits. So there's three parts of the message Part one is, why does what you wear matter? Part two is, what, as a Christian, should you be wearing? And thirdly, how do we make sure we are? Okay, so let's, let's work our way through those. The first one, why does what you wear matter? This is the, this is the why. You now, you can tell an awful lot from people's choice of clothing. Here's three examples for you. Okay, on the left, is that the left? My right, your left. uh, That's Nottingham Forest. I'm sure you've spotted that all by yourselves. You can tell from the little tree on the shirt, and the great, big, honking, great, shiny trophy that he's carrying. Okay, that tells you all you need to know. Amen, Steve? Amen. And then in the middle, we have, I don't know, mildly related, a Roman soldier. And then on the end, we have a chef. At the point being, you can tell an awful lot about them from what they're wearing. You can tell who they represent. You can tell who they serve. You can tell what they do. You can perhaps tell where they've been trained, how they spend their time. Roughly where they live, I mean, Rome, Nottingham, Booth. But the point is that, that, that the clothing that people choose to wear has always told us quite a bit about them. A F- few more examples. What can you deduce about these two women and what they're wearing? You have an Indian woman wearing a sari, and then we have an Asian woman wearing a hijab. How easily can you distinguish between a police officer and a fire, fire fighter? got to get my terminology right. I mean, it, it tells you straight away, you can see straight away what they stand for, what they represent, what they do. And the last one here, risky this one. Manchester United fan on one side and this amazing Manchester City fan that I found on the other side. He's taking it very, very, even his sunglasses are light blue. But if you think about it, people's clothing can tell you a little bit about their culture, tell you about their religion, probably tell you about their nationality, maybe their age, profession, perhaps their interests, their allegiances, tell you a little bit about their style, or in my case, my kids would argue lack thereof. It might tell you something about their wealth. It might tell you about their status or their office. So if all that is the case, what clothing do you wear? And of course, Paul is talking metaphorically here, not literally. From the, from the spiritual clothing that you wear... What can people tell about who you are, about what you believe, about what you stand for, perhaps most importantly, whom you are following? And I think it would be a fascinating question to ask three people. Don't do it now. Maybe ask your spouse, maybe ask a sibling, maybe ask a work colleague. Are you brave enough to ask what three characteristics, what three attributes jump to mind when you think about me? Could be a dangerous question, couldn't it? Hopefully they'd say, oh, when I think, see you, I think about you. The first three things that jump into my mind are kind, loyal, gentle, maybe positive, enthusiastic, Perhaps it would be critical. Perhaps it would be opinionated or impulsive. For you, would it, be, would it be cold and guarded? Or would it be warm and open and authentic? Which leads nicely to the, the, the second part, which is what, as a Christian, should we be wearing? This one this one, what. And here's the point. In Colossians 3, as we've just read, verses 12 to 14, we have what it should be. This is what a follower of Jesus should be wearing. This is how we should be recognized as Christians. This is what we should look like and smell like. This is how we should behave. This is what we should be known for. This is how we should stand out. Remember Paul's message from from verses 1 through to 11 You've got to put on the new self. You've got to live the new life. Now in verse 12, he says, clothe yourselves like this. Here's the list. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another, and then over all these virtues, put on love. To which I'd say, what a list. Wouldn't you love to be dressed like that? Human me for a second. Just nudge your spouse and say, that's what I'm looking for. Actually, perhaps don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, that was very high risk. I, but I think I got away with it, Lord. I think I got away with it. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you, thinking of that list, do you naturally possess? Do you naturally walk in and excel in all of those things? Probably not. And that's why Paul says we have to put them on. We have to work them in. They're qualities we need to mature in that they're fruits of the Spirit which grow on the inside of us as a direct consequence of our relationship with Jesus. Pretty quickly working through that is compassion. Compassion is vital because it's the key that unlocks the door to the love of God. Romans 5 verse 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. In James Version the love of God is in there because he is in there. The question is, can we get it out and into action? That's where compassion comes in. Second one on the list is kindness. In an unkind world. Has anybody noticed it's an unkind world? It's growing, as I see it, ever harsher. Can we then, as Christians, be renowned for our kindness? The Greek word is moral goodness and integrity. Number three is clothe yourselves with humility, modesty, with that willingness to yield, with that desire to esteem others. Do you know what? The closer we get to the Lord humbler we'll become. And as a direct consequence of that relationship, we should become less keen to push ourselves forward and more willing to seek the best for others. Number four, clothe yourselves with gentleness. Literally means mild, nurturing, and considerate, and meek. This doesn't mean weak and feeble, Actually, it means a, a strength and a power that is under control. Gentle, like that broken stallion, like that soft mouthed retriever, like that gentle giant. Someone's chuckling. They've got a puppy retriever that's not very gentle. Now, anyway, moving on. Number five, clo- Labrador, I think. Clothe yourselves with patience. You know, we live in such an impatient society. We live in such a demanding and intolerant world. Are we prepared to offer to others the grace that we long for, the guidance and the patience that we long for? Are we prepared to give second chance? Are we prepared to give people the space to grow that we would ask for ourselves? Next on the list is, is, is clothe yourselves with bear, bear with one another. This literally means to hold up and to sustain and to endure. Can we help them carry their heavy load? Because just like yours, it probably is. Nearly their next one is forgiveness. Forgiveness is so underrated, it's so vital. Forgiveness is central to spiritual health. It's a concept that the world badly. Struggles with and which keeps multitudes tied up in chains. Jesus taught that we should forgive readily, that we should forgive whatever, whenever. Here's the crux, just as He forgave us. And then the last one clothe yourselves with love. Above all, it says, this this is the binding and the unifying force. Love is the culmination of all the others. It's the crux and the epitome of all the others on this list. The Amplified says, wrap yourselves in unselfish love. How about that for a powerful and attractive robe to wear? And what? So this is what it means to be Christian. These are the clothes that we must put on. Hopefully, this is how people will recognize whose we are and what we stand for. Here's a statement. I'm not sure we'll necessarily change the world by telling them what we believe. We're far more likely to have an impact by showing them who we have become. Again, here's the point. People can tell so much about you from what you are wearing. What do you you openly criticize or judge or mock? What do you intentionally celebrate or or encourage or reward? What do you actively defend or pursue or prioritize? You know, people out there in the world are, are drawing conclusions about you and about Jesus based on what you are wearing not your physical clothes, maybe a little bit, but but by your spiritual garments, by your defining characteristics, by your default behaviors. So here's the challenge. Are you wearing Jesus? Are you wearing a white robe of holiness? Are you dressed in love? Are you giving off the sweet fragrance of grace or the foul stench of judgment? Luke 24, verse 14. And are you clothed with power from on high? So that's what we should be wearing. Finally, how do we make sure that we are? This is the how. We've always got to have a how. You know, just as I choose my wardrobe in the morning, maybe through bleary, half-opened eyes, but I choose. I, I also choose my behaviors. But obviously, those choices are going to be strongly affected by the influences that we allow to drive us. And you know, this, one, this one is about choice. It's an act of the will. It, it, there's intentionality. You, you, this is a determination thing. You know, people talk, don't they, about, about that, our soul, our personality being mind, will, and emotions. You know, we talk a lot about the mind and renewing the mind and set your mind on things above. We, we talk a lot about the emotions that kind of drive us and stir us, positive and negative. not sure we talk much about the will, that act, that intentional act, of choosing, of drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is that. To explain this one, that there are three key choices, I think, that we all make. Choice number one is choose what you value. This is the starting point. What clothes, what spiritual clothes do you want to wear? What are the values that, that deeply matter to you? And who are, and what are the forces that are driving your decisions and your responses? Ultimately, it comes down to what matters to you more? What matters to you more? Is it, is it being right or is it walking in love? Is it, is it telling others they've got it all wrong or helping them find transformation? Is it the desire for self-justification, for revenge, to inflict consequences on the one who is hurting you? Or is it forgiveness? Which one matters more? Is it that momentary fleshly pleasure and gratification? Or is it holiness? The fear of the Lord, your, your walk with him? Is it that strong opinion that you hold, that you know polarizes, or is it the desire to reconcile, to, to build bridges and draw people to Jesus? The point is, you've got to make a stake in the ground once and for all decision which you value more. Which is more important to you? Which of those is the Lord calling you to? Because you see, values drive Behaviors. And you have to make that decision in private first. You have to make it in the secret place before the Lord that this is where the line of the sand is for you. This is what you have chosen. And, and get that settled in your mind. And then when you face it in the flesh, the choice has already been made. So when the rubber hits the road, or when your flesh is screaming or temptation is shouting, you stick to that behavior. You stick to the behavior you know you value more. Here in Colossians chapter 3, we are faced with a set of choices. We're faced with choices to put those things to death. The choice to get rid of those and to take off those. That's part one. And then part two, we have the choice to put on the new self, to choose the new life, and to clothe ourselves in these infinitely preferable things. But you know what? That starts with choosing what you value, choosing what really matters to you. Second choice we all make is choosing what influences you. Who are you listening to? Who is leading you? What are you surrounding yourself with? What are you feeding yourself? You can choose that. You can intentionally position yourself. And you can, at least to an extent, choose your environment. You can choose your role models. You can choose your sources. And if the principle is that you become like what you behold the more you focus on it the more it takes root the more you let it in the more it sinks in if that's the case then it's crucial that you make strong intentional informed decision to choose what or who you allow to influence you It is a great surprise. The enemy wants you to stay calm. He's going to tempt you over and over again to choose the ungodly, the unholy, the unbiblical response. He's going to be bombarding you with his agenda, his value system, what matters to him. So who are you going to choose to listen to? Proverbs 4, verse 20, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, healing to their whole body. 2 Timothy 2, 16 says, Avoid godless chatter. This is talking about influences, right? Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more and more ungodly. The moral of the story being, if you place yourselves in ungodly environments, eventually it is going to seep in by osmosis and you are going to become more and more ungodly. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, little tip that says, bad company corrupts good character. You know, choose who you allow to dump what into your well. If it looks like poison... Just don't let it in to pollute your heart. We just read Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. New American Standard says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So that's the negative. Let's flip it to the positive for a second. We know, don't we, that iron sharpens Iron. No, there are good people all around you who can serve as positive influences, who can point you in the right direction, who can keep you on track. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord your shepherd will lead you beside quiet waters and guide you in the paths of righteousness. The word tells us that his name is, is a strong tower, that his word is alive and active, that his love is rooting and grounding you, that his power is strengthening and enabling you, and that his grace is sufficient. But there's a great set of influences right there. And we get to choose what influences us. The number three, final choice, we're nearly done. Number three is choose from where you draw. Where do you go when you're poked and provoked? What what forms and frames those reactions? From what well do you draw? Again, back to Colossians 3. Do do you routinely draw from the flesh, from from carnality? saw it last week, the word sarkikos, from that old nature. Do you routinely draw from a well of anger and frustration? impulse and impatience? Do you draw from from that deep woundedness and and from a defensiveness and from self-justification? Do you draw from envy and greed and pride? Or do you routinely draw from the deep well of love and grace that is fed by your relationship with Jesus? You see, flesh will always pull you towards Overreaction. It'll pull you towards petulance and and immaturity and selfishness. But deep inside of you, there is a different well. Well of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. The well of his love shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The the, the, the well of his wisdom. Inside you, that there's a well of spirit fruit. Well, of patience and of kindness and compassion and all the other wonderful things on our list today. Do you know, ultimately, you get to choose which one of those two wells that you draw from. And of course, of course, the voice of flesh will shout quickest and loudest. It'll be pushy and demanding. The second voice, the voice of the Spirit, is quieter, it's softer, it's gentler and subtler. That is the voice that you must learn to respond to. That is the well you're going to have to learn to draw from. John 7, 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And you know when it's rivers of living water, everyone is better Okay, let's let's pull this all together. Let's ask this question. What would life look like? What would your life look like if you were to put to death and get rid of all that ugly stuff in Colossians 3? Instead, you were to clothe yourselves in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. What if, as we saw last week, you really were to set your mind on things above? What if you were to draw a line in the sand once and for all to decide what you really value? What if you were were to, to fill and surround yourselves with godly and holy influences? What if you were to train yourself to draw by habit from those rich and deep streams of living water? How would your life change? How much wiser would your reactions be? How much healthier would your relationships be? How would your witness for Jesus improve? And then think about us collectively as a church. How would people start to look up at us as God's people? If this was the clothing we wore, if this, if you like, was our core DNA, if this was our fragrance, This is a major challenge for the church, particularly in the United States, where where everything seems to have become so heavily politicized. It is also a tremendous opportunity for us because we have a world that is crying out for these things. Yet we have a world that is desperate to receive our love and to receive our grace and to receive our kindness. One that Paul said, Colossians 3 verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect. Hey, how do we respond to that this morning? Two questions, really. Question number one that you may wish to ask yourself, ask the Lord, ask your spouse. Do you have any clothing? Clothing, spiritual clothing. I don't get any ideas. Do you have any clothing you need to take off urgently? I put here, if in doubt, ask your wife. And if you do... You know, if if you've listened to any of those lists and think some of those slightly negative, some of those dark, some of those sinful elements rear their ugly heads more often than you would like. If you do have, then just simply repent. Get on your knees this morning and do business with God. And you know what? It's time to drive a new stake in the ground that says no more. I'm going to take off that garment and instead this is what I'm going to put on. So question number one, honestly before the Lord, do you have any clothing that you need to take off urgently? And then, of course, the flip to that, number two, is what garment today is the Lord telling you to put on? It could be patience. It could be kindness. I don't know, it could be strength. It could be justice. But if he is, put it on today. Put it on today and then walk out of here with your head high and your shoulders back and make a decision. Never, ever to take it. Right, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, please. I, I'm pretty much done here. Just to, to set this up, this is what we're going to do. Uh, um, I'm going to invite you, if, if you like, uh, to do business with God. I, I've given you two fairly uh, considerable challenges today. Um, If there's something you need to take off, or if there's something you need to put on, you can do that right where you are. But, you know, in this church, we leave this side over here, your left, my right, vacant. You want to come to the front, get on your knees, pray a big prayer, repent, whatever it is. What a great opportunity to respond to the Word of God, the call today. And the good thing is, if you come and sit here, no one's going to know whether you're taking off or putting on. So it's absolutely fine. Over this side, I just, as I was walking my dog this morning and just pondering, I just thought, you know, for some of you in this room, this is where the ministry team will be in operation over this side. I thought for some of you, know, you might read that list and think, Do you know what, I could really use some kindness. You know, I wish, I wish there was a lot more, more patience in my world. You know, I just, I just feel a, a lack of love whether it's God's love or human love or even love for yourself, I don't know what it is. I just thought this morning it would be valuable to give you the opportunity to come and respond and and for the prayer ministry team to pray over you in whatever that is you can be as as explicit or not. But but let them just pray the love and the grace and the kindness and the patience of God over you.